This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm Brian Craig, your host, and we are back in the global office, and I'm here with my mentor, my friend, Rocky Fleming. Howdy. Hey, Rocky. And uh, we've, uh, last few weeks, we've uh, you've gotten to hear an interview, part one and part two of our interview with Frank Khalil, our Tulsa Regional Director, and, and we feel like we need to give you an update on that if you've been following that, but... Uh, as far as Frank's health, and uh, we're happy to report he had uh, gallbladder surgery this week, and uh, as you, it'll be last week as when you listen to this uh, podcast. But uh, anyway, had a successful surgery, and uh, he's doing very well. And they think that was the cause of a lot of his pain and discomfort. So we're uh, thank you for all your prayers out there for Frank, and he's feeling like a lot of prayers have been answered. So yeah, it's one of those hard to diagnose uh, illnesses. He uh, he's been struggling this couple of years, and as kept trooping on you know he's just he's a he's a trooper mm-hmm. and uh and has gone to a lot of uh, people that try to get it diagnosed even up to mayo mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of those things that they couldn't figure it out mm-hmm. and finally uh, a journey brother who was a, a surgeon over there uh, really felt like that it was going to be that and when they went in there they found that this thing was scarred up pretty bad and it was pretty obvious that he he was having trouble with that so mm. uh, I talked to him or, or uh, communicated with him and he's sore mm. and I told him I said well the definition of that is surgery <laughs> you have to get worse to get better mm-hmm. and so he's sore from surgery and we can keep praying for him and get him back in the hunt so we'd say, watch out, Tulsa. Frank is getting healthy, and he's going to be going crazy. He'll That's be out there. Right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, we're happy for Frank. Um, uh, another couple of things I would just want to bring to your attention real quick is uh, our national summit that we have every couple of years is going to be next May 2nd through 5th, 2019. And uh, be looking for registration. It's going to be open uh, starting here pretty quick. And uh uh, it can only hold about 300, 320, and so uh, we're, we think it's going to fill up pretty quick. So get your registrations in early on that. So you can find all that information on our website. And lastly, I would just say we're doing our, our year yearly uh, appeal, asking you, uh, giving you the opportunity to invest in the vision of influencers. And uh, we're calling it the Generosity Challenge. And uh, so there's information on that on the website. But we, again, just ask you to pray about uh, – if uh, you've been touched by this ministry, we, we'd ask you to pray about uh, giving back and uh, helping us take this message to other people around the, the country and the world. So that's called the Generosity Challenge. But today we wanted to talk on this this broadcast a little bit about our ministry and, and a little bit about what's going on with the ministry because we feel like, in a sense, we're entering into a new chapter uh, of influencers. Uh, it, it was officially started in 2001, not not the 501c3, but the first journey group. Yeah. And uh, and two of our founders who've been on the board all this time, Bob Brown and Tony Elliott, are uh, are seeing fit to roll off the board. They they thought they were going to stick it in till death, like Rocky. But uh, <laughs> well, they are almost dead. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're close. <laughs> I, I would say don't tell them, but they're probably going to hear this along with thousands of other people. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, I think that th- we were talking about tenure, and, and they, they suggested 18 years is long enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, we, we just want to talk a little bit about that. And uh, they've, they've really helped us set the mold for what a board member, sh- we think a board member should look like for oh, influencers. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's helped us help the regional uh, directors form their boards mm-hmm. and, and even continue in a great legacy for this global board. So we want to just talk about that today, which really ties into our DNA and right. what we're all about. So, right. so, so let's just talk a little bit about, Rocky, about the beginning of this ministry and, and when you first started the board and, and just a few highlights about, about Bob and Tony's involvement, maybe. Well, Tony and, and Bob and I go back before the Journey Group, and I'd known Tony for years. I'd known him a little bit professionally, but I, he also was uh, in the church that I attended. And I had uh, I had been a, an elder early on, a uh, couple tours of duty, and uh, and that he had been an elder when not with me at that time. And uh, and Bob was a client of mine, and uh, and then after establishing a professional relationship with him, uh, I became a neighbor of his. And then uh, then. Uh, Bob and his wife came to know Christ uh, during our tenure out there, and he he credits credits it to my wife Sally, who has this tremendous intercessory prayer uh, thing going on with her. And every day she walk and she'd walk past their house and praying for them. Mm. And uh, sure enough, uh, I've seen it a lot, Brian. I've seen it a lot that that she prays them in, and then I get the opportunity to explain to them what's waiting for them. Mm. And we've been a good partner in that. And um, Bob was one of those. And uh, and and the great thing about this, Bob, you know, he uh, he was a brand new Christian. And he really hadn't spent any time reading Scripture. He didn't know much about any of that. But he was hungry. He was open. He was very successful. He was the Arkansas uh, uh, Businessman of the Year one year, and he was runner-up the next year. And when you start stop and think about the tremendous businesses that are in Arkansas, mm. and for that man to be uh, recognized as such, then it tells you that he is uh, quite a businessman. He was a high schooler that rode by a big factory uh, every day, and then he came, got out, of, while he was still in high school, went to work for Emerson Electric, and then he became a an entrepreneur when he started developing some specialty-type products with milling, and uh, and it went from there. And then technical machining products and services were, were birthed. And, and uh, so it was during that time that I was working with him professionally that uh, he began to ask some questions about faith. And I, and I think this is kind of where we're going with the extreme credibility that happens even in the professional marketplace when a person walks with Christ is people see something in their life and you don't have to say much. In fact is, if you build a relationship with them, they tend toward picking it up better than words. Hmm. And he was the one that came to me and wanted to talk to me about this, about about Christ, about church, about these things. And so we entered into it very easily and uh, I was able to baptize he and his wife and some other people in his in his swimming pool there. <laughs> And uh, but the, I think the most significant thing is with Bob 
is that uh, being a brand new Christian, he didn't have any habits yet uh, that re- take you into kind of a a church or a religious uh, attitude, but not really know really know Christ. Mm. And that can happen a lot. We can be religious and not relational. Mm. And so he was able to be in the first journey group mm. as a new Christian. And then I was able to watch him fall in love with the Word, loving Jesus, loving people. He became actually became almost a minister to his employees in his company. And many people came to know Christ because of the almost, I don't know how to say this, kind of like the priesthood. Mm-hmm. He was a royal priesthood in his company for the employees there that they came to see him differently now. Mm-hmm. They started wanting to know, well, what is this going on in you? <laughs> and through that means several people came to know Christ. It's contagious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was in our first journey group. And then uh, Tony was an you know, experienced uh, years Christian. Uh, but when he entered into uh, our journey group, he, he shared some things that were going on with him that nobody knew. And one of those is he was completely burned out. He was hurting. He was hurting. And he didn't have anybody that seemed to be really interested in his soul. Active church worker, actively involved with going to church. But nobody was just basically saying, Tony, how's your soul? Nobody was trying to help him go to a place where soul can be healed, where soul can be nurtured. And, you know, it's not me, a man, that can do that. It's not a group of men that can do that. It's only in close proximity with Jesus Christ that that kind of thing can happen. And so that year, seven other men, that would be eight of us, went through the journey group. And uh, and I would say that uh, when we emerged from that, our, all of our lives were changed. And we began seeing several of those people reproducing. We saw the organic growth of it, of the ministry break out because these men began to reach out outward to their spheres of influence and then began taking people through the journey group. And then they started finding the same thing that these others had found mm-hmm. in this intimacy with Christ. And so before long, we began to see that, you know, this is not just a uh, just for eight guys, you know, they were, Bob was the first one that says, this has got to go out there to more people. There are more men out there that really, really need this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've discovered there are more women that need it, too, and there's more young adults. There, there are more prisoners that need it, and there's more people in Egypt that need it, and more people in Africa that need it, and Brazil that needs it. Mm-hmm. In other words, it deals with the core needs of That's people, right. and that is to be brought back to that intimacy with our Creator. Mm-hmm. We were created to have intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. and um, But we lost that intimacy when sin came. When Christ came, He restored it, if we will take it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the story here from the standpoint of our initial development. And then as it began to, I, I hate to use the word organized, but an organism is organized. Mm-hmm. And so the, the problem with many... Uh, ministries, churches, is that the organization leads the organism, where in 
it should be flip-flopped, and that is the organization supports the organisms. Mm -hmm. The organism is going to expand exponentially and naturally if it's in accordance with the way Jesus said, and that he says, if you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. Apart from me, you'll not bear fruit. So if you keep it about what it's supposed to be about, it will be an organism. It will reproduce. It will reproduce through other people's lives. And when it starts growing, you have to have some semblance of organization. That's why we have a global office, trying to keep up with what God's doing. He's inviting us all over the world, but we still have to organize our, our everything around how do we print? I mean, we've got to. We've got a lot of a lot of curriculum that we're we're providing now, free of charge for a lot of people. A lot of translations that are going on. Um, we have a lot of expenses that gets us out, gets you out to the regions out there mm -hmm. in Canada, in Costa Rica, in Brazil, and and so you know we have to have some kind of organizational way to support the invitation that God has given us to go out and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And that's why we would have, you know, uh, an invitation for people to come join us financially. We never want to really try to make it about a need because God has been so faithful to provide for this ministry without us ever having to establish that we're needs driven. Uh, we have needs, but we want our, our donors to be vision driven. We want mm -hmm. them to give to the vision. Yeah. of what, what we're doing. And uh, we're good stewards, and they can see all the, all we buy, all we spend, everything. And uh, But the fact is, is that we want them to join the vision of making disciples, transforming lives, and strengthening the church. Hmm. And so in order to organize, we had to then step into a 501c3. Hmm. And so... Uh, as a result of that, now you have to have a board. You mm -hmm. have to have some kind of government, gover, governing aspect of a 501c3. There's issues of integrity. There's issues of law. Um, but there's more to that uh, as far as I'm concerned because I think our board is more like an, a, a group of elders because mm -hmm. our board is uh, the, what qualifies them is not that they're successful businessmen or successful in what they do or that they give big financially to the ministry. We don't even, I don't even know what they do there. I know that they, they do because they're, they're behind the vision. But I think the most important thing they do is that they bring to us a sincere effort to uh, lay their lives before the Lord and say, here I am. I'm willing to serve the cause of this ministry, and I ask you to help me hear you so that I can know how to lead. Hmm. And so that that DNA of board leadership began basically with Bob, Tony, and myself. Because hmm. we knew that we were called into a responsibility and we didn't even know what it looked like, Brian. Uh, I have never, ever had the vision to see where we are right now. And every, even, even back then, when we just started seeing it growing in Northwest Arkansas, I was saying, gosh, this is this is something else. I never thought it'd get outside of eight men. And then they had to just back up and watch. And that and, and I can tell you that's why I say sincerely all the time, this is a God thing. All we're doing is hanging on, man. And God is leading and we want him to lead. We we love him leading. We love that. That's right. And so our our boards 
uh, whether it's our global board, our regional boards, that is the DNA of what we do as leaders is that we want to be dependent on him. Mm. We're not afraid of dependence. We're not afraid of living by faith and planning by faith. I'm afraid of fear-driven planning Mm. because that's the way of the world is hedge your bets and minimize your risk. Well, don't step into Christianity and be a disciple of Christ if you think you're going to do it comfortably. Now, will we challenge ourselves to go back and listen to the Lord and say, okay, how, how did he tell his guys to do it? And what is he telling us to do now? So in order to have that kind of leadership, you got to have you have to have leaders that are, are comfortable with faith. Hmm. Uh, they're comfortable with dependence. That their first and foremost concern is the health of their own soul. And then as they start radiating out from their own soul to their family, then they look at their sacred responsibility. So Bob and Tony have set the standard. They set the standard on that. Bob's got this gift of faith. He can't, I mean, everything is about, well, now boys, I'm gonna just tell you, now God's gonna come through on this. And <laughs> and watching this guy lead with faith, sometimes it's sickening. <laughs> because, you know, yeah, I guess you have to do that, right? But, no, it, it's really comforting to see a man that has that kind of, have that kind of faith and, and in a leadership position and establishes a DNA. Mm. And Tony is likewise that. Tony is a fierce guardian of the DNA. Mm-hmm. He wrote a little deal called I Have a Fear that was kind of a takeoff on, on uh, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream, but his was I Have a Fear. And, um, and it's interesting what, he, what unfolded in that. And he says, I have a fear that we'll become just another corporation out there. I have a fear that we'll forget our purpose and our mission. I have a fear that that our organization will drive this rather than it let it being the organism mm. that's led by Christ, and on and on and on. So that's the quality of the guys, the leadership that we have, the style, and also the uh, what we're looking for. And now, now that we've set the standard, now that all future leaders that have come into our board positions, that's what we're looking for. Let, let me interrupt you for one second. Um, they, they, the guys out there may not understand where we live here in Bentonville, Arkansas. I mean, they may think it's in the sticks, but when you've got Walmart, the world's largest company here, and all the vendors that support Walmart, not to mention J.B. Hunt, the largest transportation company, and Tyson Foods, the largest meat producer, there's a lot of highbrow executive type people in this area, you know, very skilled great at business and all that. So there's even a, probably a greater uh, temptation for a board in this area to become corporate, even a nonprofit or a church board or whatever, because those are the kind of people that live here. Yeah. Do you think so? I mean, Well, all of our guys are that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're generally pretty successful, uh, but we don't look at that at that way. In fact, mm-hmm. if you know from day one, I've, I've always told these guys that don't come in here with your business hat. Leave it outside. That's right. We're not asking you to come in here and as a successful business leader and help lead this ministry with your experience and your talents and your skill. We're asking you to come in here as a godly man and lead with your faith and your dependence and your servant servant heart. And and you know, honestly, these guys they love that. Mm-hmm. Everybody that I hear that says that, you know, comes in and, and sits in our board meeting or our new board members that come on, 
they come away shaking their head and say, I have never been to a board meeting like that. That was worship. Yeah, yeah. When you stop and think about our first question that we ask our board members, and we spend half of our board meeting time, uh, which is, how is your soul? Tell us how it's going. Then that tells you we have a great priority and want to make sure that these men are spiritually healthy. Mm-hmm. We want to keep that way because that's where our strength is. That's where our wisdom flows. If we have hindrances in our ability to hear Christ, how can we lead? That's right. That's right. But if we keep our souls healthy and we have this open conduit where he can flow to us and through us and out of us, then we have the dynamic that Christ created when he says, you abide in me, you will bear fruit. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And fruit is beyond anything that we can imagine. Fruit of spirit, for sure. Fruit of evangelism, for sure. Uh, fruit of discipleship, for sure. But there's a fruit of influence, a credibility, an authenticity that is seen in a man who wants a Christ uh, that it, you can't describe it, but it changes people. It changes cultures. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do as a ministry. And we have to start with our leadership. Mm-hmm. they got to be the real deal if they're going to lead. It can't be just words. It's mm-hmm. got to be the real deal. Now, 18 years on this board, and they think that they need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand. And I think that they're very selfless in that because— each one of them said, you know, it's time for us to uh, step aside and, and let some of the younger generations come in with new energy and new ideas. And I told them early on, I said, well, I'm ready for them to step in, but not with you gone, because we have to have a, a transition because we've got to transfer this DNA that you understand to them. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be a period of more or less apprenticeship where there's a kind of an osmosis where just getting next to them, they'll begin to see the, the rhythm and the style and the, and the priorities that we have. And sure enough, we have four new board members that are coming on, mm-hmm. younger men. And what, it's been about six months now that they've been mm-hmm. into coming to our meetings but not voting and, you know, praying with us and but that whole thing was about come and and see what we're doing, see how we're doing it, and let's let's see if you can, if this is something that you would really want to be a part of, because mm-hmm. we we're not wanting to change what God is inspired by the future board members that come along. Um, it's so important for successor leadership to continue to maintain the DNA. DNA can be corrupted pretty easily, especially when you grow. When you grow, then systems and form of ministry becomes sometimes more important than the heart of ministry. And the heart can be lost. It happens all the time. Mm. And so one of the things that the Lord said to me is that this is not going to be limited to you, Rocky. I'm going to use you, but you've got to ask for other gifted men to come and be a part of this. And so I started praying early on, Lord, add to us gifted gifted men to come in here and help lead this ministry. Mm-hmm. And open to it, looking for people that, it, that God is singling out and calming them. And, of course, we have a good process that helps us see those guys in action because every one of our staff 
and our board members have come to influencers through the journey. Every mm -hmm. one of them. Mm -hmm. Every one of them have learned to process what it means, what we're trying to do in getting someone in close proximity with Christ. And as a result of that, their own life change, then they, they are passionate about wanting to get this out. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of leaders we have, passionately driven, to share that which has been given to them. And, um, and so all of, our, all of our boards, whether it's our global board and our regional boards we have out there and our staff, kind of like homegrown, I guess you say. They grew up through, the, through uh, what we feel is essential in this ministry. That's the journey. And then the, the journey's purpose is to, is to help them walk in close proximity with Christ. And, uh, and as a result of that, uh, we are able to see a lot of people emerge and there's more leadership out there right now that is not being tapped into. Mm -hmm. A lot of our guides are amazing leaders, and they serve uh, in a small group capacity. There's some of them in churches that are serving in, in a capacity there. There are women now that are emerging. They're amazing, amazing women leaders that have been raised up through the journey. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think the future is good for this ministry because leadership is, well, we're, we're hearing from God, and leadership is what's transferring what God has given to us. And I think as long as our leadership is healthy, and as long as our DNA is pure, then we're going to see this ministry continue to expand and make disciples until Christ returns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think Bob and Tony would echo what you're saying. They feel they feel like things are good, and like like they feel like they're leaving... A legacy behind and it's in good hands you know with, yeah. that the dna is intact i guess would be the main thing you know so well, they have a legacy mm -hmm. uh, their words and their deeds and their presence will always be maintained here now it's not like they're moving out of the country okay? right right because they will continue to kind of serve as ad hoc with us because we're going to ask them to continue to download wisdom and and you know i think some of the younger guys come along it'd be a good way for maybe have them meet with them, have lunch with them or coffee, mentor them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're my dear friends. They're the ones that hold my right arm and my left arm up. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I do them as well. But uh, I, I will continue to maintain that relationship because I need them. Yeah. Well, and, and all our uh, what's happening here is being reproduced out there in the regions. With Every, every regional director has raised up their own board. And it's men like Bob and Tony, guys like that, who, who it comes out of their abiding relationship with Christ, their leadership, and and they're there to support the regional director and hold their arms up and all that. And I think we're seeing that, and it's it seems very healthy in all the regions. So I'd have a question for you, yes, sir, because I've, I've spoken to you about the global board, which I'm directly involved with, uh -huh. and you know I'm kind of like you know, Papa Rock now. I'm not. I'm just loving and encouraging and, and a little mentoring of our staff, but you're the guy that's really uh, with them all the time. And uh, so tell me, tell us all your perspective about how you can continue to help expand this ministry and keep the DNA pure by when we're starting to work with different regions. What, what's your take on that? 
Well, I just think uh, we've just got to, I've got to be the greatest cheerleader for the DNA, I think, and out there with our regional directors and all that. But but we're praying all the time about uh, new champions to arise in new cities. And I, and there's there's a list of guys that I see God just kind of raising up. And mm-hmm. when I say champions, these are guys who, they love the journey process, but they also feel a sense of responsibility, a sacred responsibility for their area. And they're thinking beyond just their church. They're thinking for their city. And they just want to help men and all that. So those are guys I want to pour into and keep you know, reiterating the DNA and all that. Because because mm-hmm. I, I there is always a temptation for it, it to go sideways or go corporate or, you know, especially when you get in the areas of fundraising or get into any kind of sticky areas. Uh, you're, we're always challenging that. But uh, we have a lot, lot of things that we've learned here that we can share with those people. So so my job is to be an ambassador kind of or a spokesperson to, the, to out there in the field when I'm out there representing what I've learned here and taking it. Plus what I learned at being in Tulsa, you know, where it was just starting from scratch with the one group in Tulsa. And I've gotten to see help be part of growing Tulsa and gotten to see what can happen in a city starting with one group, just like what happened here. So uh, yeah. we were just kind of a guinea pig back then, you know, in the early days of the ministry. So in the early days, uh, I had a little saying that went like this, and I still have it. And that is start small, go deep, pray big. Yep. That's right. And um, early on in this ministry, it began to look like, hey, this thing could be big. Mm-hmm. And so we had some some people came along and, you know, felt like, hey, y'all are just too slow on this thing. You know, you're, you need to be mass marketing this thing. Right. You need to be mass marketing books and you need to be, you know, just getting that word out there and just go to town and I can help you. You know, you always mm-hmm. have the consultants that come along. And I don't have any problem with the consultants. I certainly don't have anybody coming along giving suggestions unless it violates DNA. Mm-hmm. Because the DNA that we feel that we've got to maintain is that we are following the Holy Spirit, yeah. not leading Him, following Him. And uh, I think it's very vitally important for us to understand that the church began with the philosophy I just gave you, and that is start small, go deep, pray big. That's right. And, you know, Jesus did it that way. Mm-hmm. And we just need to take some lessons here. Um, you know, somebody said, I heard somebody say the other day that Jesus taught with allegory and, and metaphors. That was the way he did it. That's just the way he taught. You know, he could have come out there and given the best sermons at all and be a Pharisee, right? Mm-hmm. Give him the word, da-da-da. He could open it up in Hebrew, Greek, and whatever languages are around there. Um but he tells stories. He gave them metaphors. He gave them real life stuff. Just kind of think about this. And then, then he inserted truth in it. And uh, some people ask me, why do I, why do I uh, write allegory? Why do I do it that way? Well, I truly believe I do it that way because that's the way Jesus is telling me to do it. Mm-hmm. And I can see how it works. Because, you know, we don't want to spoon feed people. We want them to learn to go and find their answers at the foot of the cross. Right. We want to show them how to self-feed, but we also want to challenge them to abandon some things that are getting in the way of that deeper intimacy with them. And and when they uh, get to that point where they're walking with them, as far as we're concerned, it's game over. Mm-hmm. We don't have to manage them. We say, come and help us. Go after some more people. Yeah. And it's a pay-it-forward ministry. Every, every, every one of us have invested 
I mean, in the early, the first group, I bought all their books. Mm. They said, well, let's pay for them. No, I'm paying for it. I'm investing in you. Yeah. Maybe you can buy somebody some books later on. But And, and you know, I'd get them dinners. I'd get them lunch. I'd take them out. You know, it's always paying it forward. But God had already taught me that everything, every time I did that out, not only was I investing in the kingdom, he would reinvest in my business. Mm-hmm. And and so I was successful in my business by being generous. And I think that that's, uh, I think generosity is is important mm-hmm. because it's it's part of joining him in 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 a way that it it bubbles over. It it it's contagious to other people. And I'm not just talking about money here. Now I'm talking about generosity. Yeah, generous spirit, serving, loving, encouraging. Mm-hmm. Calling them up. How you doing, man? Thinking about you, praying for you. What can I pray for you now? Those kind of things are just generous spirits that are being shared. But it has to be rich in us. Our, our soul's got to be healthy to spill over like that. That's right. And so, you know, um, this start small, go deep, uh, pray big is is about getting a foundation. Mm-hmm getting a solid foundation to build on. And I think that the 18 years that we've been doing this, Brian, is I really do think that God has been using this time to really build a solid foundation. And we know who we are, we know who we serve, and we know how we serve Him, and we know why we serve Him. That's right. Those things right there are just, I know they sound simple, but they, this is where the foundation has got to be packed down. Because Jesus said it like this, if you build your house on the foundation that has sand in it, storms come along and wash us out. Build it on the rock, and then it'll stand. And I can see that it was a struggle in a lot of ways from disappointment with some people and challenges in some. And it just the struggles uh, drove me to my knees and Bob and Tony. But the struggle was good because it helped us understand what we're going to be dependent on, how we're going to deal with issues. Are we willing to run the risk and stand firm mm. and, and, and do what we feel like God is telling us to do, and that is lead this ministry by faith? And now we've got a foundation, and I think that you and our future leaders are going to build on this foundation. Mm. And what you build will stand firm because of the strong foundation that's been built. Yeah, yeah, and I hope so. And we're praying that. And we feel indebted to you guys for uh, showing us the way and teaching us a great thing. And, and it is unlike anything I've ever been part of. I mean, I think it's what I uh, drew me in, you know, and, and I knew this is what I wanted to give my the rest of my life to as well. Right. So, well, thank you, Rocky. Um we're out of time, uh, but I just want to say to all you out there listening, men and women, um, you know, come join us. Come be part of this great move of God. If, you, if you've never been through a journey group, go go sign up for one. And if, if we don't have journey uh, journey group in your area, we're starting to find that there's no uh, that's not a limitation anymore because we're using technology now to, to bring people into virtual journey groups. Uh, and Or, you know, we can help train you to start a group. You know, uh, there's all sorts of interesting things going on. But if you've been through the journey, uh, are you guiding 
Are you are you taking other people in your sphere of influence and taking them to that intimate place that you found? Uh, if you're not, why not? <laughs> There's people that need you to show them the way. So, uh, and we're going to talk to you a little bit about Journey 2.0 after the first of the year. You'll you'll be hearing a little bit about about a new uh, a new thought we want to throw out at you. But uh, but anyway, we're really excited about everything that's happening here, and uh, I just encourage you to to plug in with us, be part of this movement. If you got any questions, you can go to our website influencers.org and find out all sorts of information. There's actually a great podcast with Bob and Tony that we did about a year ago. You can look back in our archives and uh, be good to listen to uh, when I got to interview both those guys together. But anyway, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencer Global Ministries, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you guys.